Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with Ben. Here at the Ben Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. May was a very busy sales month that seems to have slowed down quite a bit. Maybe it's the Baldur's Gate Borden that's coming up. Hmm. It's hard to say, but we have started seeing a few things happen in the world of collectible finance. And I'm glad to have Wolf here with us today. Wolf, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Getting by here. We're going to try and, uh, I don't think we're going to be making anything up. It's been a particularly slow week this past week. And those slow things are going to continue to happen. We received notice yesterday that Baldur's Gate will be delayed throughout the U.S., Asia Pacific, Latin America, as well as Europe, Middle East, and Asia, uh, Africa. This is this is already a delay that we've seen this past year, hasn't it been? Because wasn't this set supposed to release this spring? I'm not sure when it was originally set to release, but I know there's been there. I mean, there's been a bunch of production delays for the past two years, especially since they're they're rolling out 27 sets a year now. It's an obvious uh, exaggeration, but uh, it might actually do favors for this set. Honestly, it might actually make it a little bit more enticing. The fact that it's hard to get, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the announcements say that the U.S. will be experiencing delays in booster boxes as well as bundles. District 1's getting delays. That's bad. Yeah. Asia Pacific will be seeing delays in their set boosters and commander decks. Latin America is going to be about a week late on just about everything. And then collector boosters are going to be struggling in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. So everything's going to be a whole lot more slow, delayed. Hmm. It's hard to know where to go with this, especially with the set being so lackluster in, in popularity. Yeah. I'd expect it to follow in the trend of uh, jumpstart here and that uh, it might start out a little high. And then as soon as you see someone like the gaming company or just uh, established sellers basically get their hundreds of boxes, it'll just, it'll tank everything real quick, but we'll see. One of the most popular things in our discord over the past few days, at least in some of the private channels has been the discussion of the two XM two spoiler watch. People are definitely seeking to watch those set crunches and be able to figure out what cards could or couldn't be in the next coming sets. People are actively trying to sell and buy cards from this set and trying to just make sure that they're profitable. I know that I got caught holding reflecting pools this past month and that came out uh, or was spoiled in the in the Baldur's Gate set, which I didn't think was going to happen. And so I've, I've lost a little bit of money on those, and we're just going to sit and wait on them to come back up in the next two years. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's happening in the world of collectible finance is the RCQs for MTG have are beginning in July. So about two weeks before... The 2XM2 comes out, uh, officially releases, our RCQs are going to be starting. And so you're going to have a number of people competitively vying for events. In fact, I had a store call me that had scheduled two events for July and wanted to schedule a third in July as well. And I just, I I can't commit that much time to a, a single shop as a judge, but 
you know, there's definitely opportunity for people to play these new sets and get involved in, into competition. It's good to see the format still doing well as things shake down a little bit. Yeah. I, I definitely am interested in seeing Pioneer advance as a format a little bit more. It's very intriguing to me. It seem it feels more like extended in its in its power, but even more so, this is going to be a, a new non-rotating format that that people are going to be hopefully enjoying more often. It really got caught by COVID and has delays in its development over the past few years. What are some of the movements that you've been seeing, Wolf? So we're just starting to get pre-sales for for Baldur's Gate, so obviously nothing's definitive at this time, but uh, it does not bode well when the the best driver of revenue is Ancient Copper Dragon. I feel like this should go without saying, but don't pay $50 for a 6CMC Red Durgan. care how many treasures he makes, it's probably not the wisest choice. And yet, that's that's where we're at, and um, the the second best selling card out of the set, as of you know, as of now and again, it's pre sales, uh, is Archivist of Ogma, which is one that Pride called out. But neither of these sales are particularly impressive at this point. Neither of them are, are going past two grand. So we are going to need to give um, we're, we're really going to need to give it another week or so to really get anything definitive out of Baldur's. But on that note, since it is a very slow week. The Triumphs out of Nuka Pena continue to rule the day, selling minimum 65 copies a day, which is pretty impressive of the base editions. Uh, but I guess one one upside of Baldur's is the pre-release version of Maze's End, which is also up there selling 65 copies a day. So there, there is a little consistency in the quiet, but it's far from uh, impressive. Do you have any uh, takes on Baldur so far, Ken? Wait, so we're talking about Maze's End from Return to Ravnica era? Oh, yeah. Oh, you've got and, plenty of gate love in, in Baldur's. Yeah, I just... Wow. It's not fun when that's one of the best specs out of the, out of the set, right? Right. <laughs> uh, like I've been talking about for the past several weeks, land sell right now. People are preparing for the fall. They're preparing to have their mana bases covered over the summer, especially when card prices are so low right now. Now, the hard part about this is we're, we're trying to balance the beginning of a recession with new sets coming out, and we're trying to track how people are going to buy and sell coming into the fall. So if we see an upswing in the market and we see increases in pay and, and things like that over the summer, uh, reduction of gas, reduction of consumables prices, we may see more disposable income come into the market. The hard part, though, is people just want to keep playing magic. So they're going to be playing more drafts rather than playing more uh, constructed formats just to be able to get more cards into hand. So it's it's hard to say what people are going to do when when finances get tough, but that's generally the pattern that I've seen. Yeah, and there's also the the just overarching seasonality of magic. When we're coming off mm -hmm. uh, basically tax return season, we're heading into the summer. Most people, believe it or not, like to go outside and enjoy their surroundings and good weather. Mm -hmm. uh, considering the fact that we largely haven't been able to do that in two years, and you know, depending on your stance, you might still think you can't. But uh, people are actually starting to, at the very least, go outside again. So. I think that's also going to play a factor, and, and also to what you said too, is disposable income gets a little bit harder to get. 
know, interest for Baldur's isn't particularly great, but we have 17 other sets coming out this year. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I remember having those copies of the Mazes and, you know, promos. Mm. You could get them for under a dollar back way back in the day. And uh, it was just kind of fun to be able to grab them because it was one of the first cards that I saw that had a date mark on it. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no. I've learned so much since then. Oh. And hey, you'd probably still get a great uh, Card Kingdom buy list on it. That's true. That's true. What, what have you been seeing as far as Modern Horizons 2? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm calling these two out just because the consistency through the slowness is, is I think, admirable. And that's, uh, you know, again, I don't mind harping on the same cards week in, week out if they're they're showing up. I would love if Ur Urza Saga was here, but it's not. And the two that I'm calling out is Yavimaya, Cradle of Growth, somewhere out there, and in, in Charlie is just celebrating. Uh, and uh, Dothi Voidwalker, uh, which I just think it's, it's kind of fascinating. But just to put it in perspective... In comparison to the Triumphs, they're selling about, on average, 37 per day. You have Amaya, Cradle of Growth, and Dothi, Walker. So they're literally half. Their consistency from last August is is pretty impressive. They've got really nice speculator play into it. You're starting to see basically about 20% of all activities from speculators. So that's generally when you can start to see uh, just price points starting to, to move up from there, generally. Um, you know... Just speculator play has been steadily increasing, which is usually not something speculators are good at because their wallets give out before they can really have a consistent impact. So just two cards to, to keep an eye on. Not the two relative winners that I would have seen coming out of Modern Horizons 2, at least for this week. But again, it's very slow, but wanted to hollow them out because it seems like when uh, nothing's happening, these two, particularly Dothi, the Yavimaya as well, tend to just always consistently perform. I see you've got one here, Ken. Well, I, I do have one, one that was kind of odd to me. I, I just happened to be perusing and taking a look at things, and I noticed uh, an old card buyout. Uh, Urborg Justice had a buyout a couple of weeks ago, and now somebody's circling back around and buying them out again. So Urborg Justice is black, black instance uh, whenever... Uh, Target player sacrifices as many creatures as went into your graveyard this turn. So it just seems like a really good card for, for EDH. Uh, one of those sacrifice decks, or maybe just one of those one of those decks that gets around some of the uh, indestructible angels. You know, seems like a card that you could just grab onto and, and have some fun with. And so 42 copies have sold in the past 24 hours. It's now at $14 direct. You can get cheap copies in somebody's bulk bin for under three bucks. Have at it. Um, you'll probably find them closer to five and flip them right away. That's your classic, uh, you know, low tier reserve list buyout. And somebody's rolling the dice trying to move the price point up. And, you know, God bless them if it holds. Yeah, I'm just going to list the ones that I have coming in as soon as possible. So sounds like a plan, mm -hmm. but yeah, nothing crazy to see here. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's crazy that someone's, you know, buying that many copies in, in a day, but yeah, classic MTG. Right. Uh, we've seen some cards seen, take some moves and 
Mox Amber seems to be a card that I've made money on like three or four times already. What have you seen with it? Showing, showing a little bit of our of our age here. At least sticking around since 2018, back when Mox Amber was ten bucks. This this is like the this is the quintuple dip on this card. <laughs> that just yeah. it just like I don't know. It keeps going up with like uh, surges. It moves and then it's quiet and then it surges up again. And we're just seeing actually pretty steady movement here. We're not selling a shocking amount of these cards. I just think it's particularly interesting to note that even though this is only selling about eight copies a day which again keep in mind triumphs are selling 70 per day you have amaya and dothy are selling 37 this one's selling eight i was throwing shade at Bruvac and chat uh yesterday or the other day because uh, it's selling the equivalent amount but the price point has moved up about 15 percent on mox amber and the supply is relatively little and with baldur's gate we are getting a set that is just chock full of legendaries so Mox Amber does fit pretty much nicely into the entire set. So just one to keep an eye on. It's very, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very easy to basically see the price moving up. It already is moving up. Um, there's not a lot of speculator activity, about 12%. So again, only eight on average. Nobody's really taken massive chunks into this. So it's one I would keep an eye on because it does, it, it might be one of those few cards on like Mazes End that actually matters getting lifted from Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I've really enjoyed being able to buy in at Mox Amber uh, for under 10 bucks, being able to sell it at 15, buying back in at 10, selling at 20, buying back in at 14, selling at 25, and I have not touched it since then. But I thought that was just the way the pattern was going to go. And it seems like it has, you know, that ebb and flow of commander cards, when it gets good, people buy it up and they don't use it actively in a deck. They sell it. One of the cards that you have listed here is master of ceremonies. And I've already posted it in the chat, in the discord. Uh, what are you seeing on this card? It's just selling really, really, really well. Um, I mean, it's, it's a white rare out of a commander set. The thing that I found interesting, and uh, obviously take this with a grain of salt, there are still walls of like 30 copies up, a couple of sellers. I'm used to the gaming company having several hundred copies of a card out of a commander product like this. So the fact that it's it's already, uh, I think it's relatively few, and I'm looking at the very base version, um, but there's relatively few sellers. Um, and the walls are nowhere near as deep as I would have expected it to be. Uh, and this is just, I think, a very well-balanced card. Obviously, you know, my play experience is, is rather lacking, but the, the sales are there. It's selling relatively... It's sold more in revenue than Mox Amber, uh, so that's interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the low price point helps it out. But it's just one, I think, to keep an eye on. I think uh, the new Capenna Commander sets really gave White a lot to work with, a lot of love. Uh, and this is just kind of one of the, the cheaper cheaper cards but uh the supply seems surprisingly low given i don't know just given its price point and the recency of its release yeah this seems like a, a solid card to take a look at i'm seeing copies as low as you know four four bucks a piece be able to get in on some of those and then be able to out them because there seems to be a few more people that have started jumping on this cracking packs idea. They seem to have 12 to 20 copies a piece 
sometimes up to 30. And they're just cracking Commander Legends packs and being able to resell them. I think that's really hard to do as an individual seller. It's not something that we see too often. But some people have found ways to make it work for them. And when you have a company like the gaming company that's doing mass crackings on a single day and then just listing and have one person shipping, I, I think that's a better mentality or, a, or objective. Yep. Bit of a, a bit of Pokemon leaking into magic. That's, that's fair. My last one here is uh, Pearl Medallion. Uh, I see you've got a, a comment to make at the end here, but I'm just going to point this one out because no one's specking on this card. And I think that's the proper decision for whatever that's worth. I mean, 60, 57 copies from Commander 2014 and 52 copies out of Tempest have sold over the last two weeks. So not high. I mean, it's basically one per order. There's It's very organic demand. It's only selling on average four per day. And again, I'm going to harp on this because it is a slow week, so I'll make a lesson out of it. When it moves this slowly, a reprint will absolutely crater this guy. And now it's gone from 27 up to uh, 32 on the Commander 2014. I actually see the Tempest has gone down, which is surprising. Uh, but this is just one of those cards that are, I mean, you're just sitting in the lull. Unless you need this for a deck, uh, I wouldn't touch it. But it's one that, um, I mean, my forecast has been screaming, Bylus really want this card, but the moment this shows up in any kind of Commander product or any kind of set, whatever, uh, whatever kind of supplementary... Uh, maneuver they take to, to re-enter this. Heck, even if it's on the list, uh, this is not a card that I would want to be holding, even though we are seeing price moving at this time. It just seems like a, a good card to be able to just ship out of the house very quickly. This is one of those cards that is seeing a huge amount of benefit from, from Giada. Mm. This is really the card that that makes Giada a little bit easier to play because you have a bunch of really expensive angels. You have no way to cheat them out quickly. You know, it is a card that people are going to, to see and they're going to want to grab onto and just keep churning over more and more and more angels out onto the battlefield very quickly, which is also why I think Mox Amber is also moving as well. You've got a lot of, um, a lot of legendary angels that people want to play in this deck. So just a few things to touch on today. Wolf, is there anything that you'd like to add? No, again, I think it's a slow week. So uh, shorter cast is probably just in order. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We're going to be hanging out in the discord chat for just a little while longer, but you can join us via the Patreon or you can find us on Twitter at MTG underscore ban or on mtgban.com, which surprisingly a few of our patrons have not discovered that website yet. Please go use our tools there. It is, it will make you more money than you can imagine just by using the tools. So thanks so much for joining us. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yes.